Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here tonight. And just look around you. What a beautiful place to have. What beautiful property we have. What a beautiful church we have. What a blessing it is to be able to have a meeting like this on our own grounds that are so wonderfully taken care of. And the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. And everything that you see here tonight, look to your left, to your right, to the front, to the back. That is because of the vision of your pastor to develop this beautiful property so that your family and your children could grow up under this old gospel tent that I grew up under. And I'm so thankful to I just want to say thank you to everyone who stayed Sunday in that heat and set this tent up so that we could have this meeting because this is a special, this is a special thing that we're doing. Praise God. Well, on my way over here tonight, um, started to feel a little bit nervous and thinking, oh boy, <laughs> here we go again. And uh, God knows just what we need when we need it. Because as we were walking over, my son said, to, my son said I'm so excited to hear mom preach. Mom, you're going to do great. And I said, well, <laughs> I don't know about that. And he said, well, just preach and then I'll rate you one to ten. <laughs> so God knows how to help us to take ourselves not so seriously. And I'm thankful for that because I'm going to try tonight to bring you something that I feel that the Lord gave me for man, woman, child, visitor, any walk in life, any place you are, any age you are. And I just pray that he gives me the courage to, to speak what I really believe that he did give me um, and to help me to not take myself seriously and let him take over. So I'm reading tonight from a very familiar passage, Ephesians 6. And is there a water from you? Yeah, there is. It's coming. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Thank you for standing. And this is not a passage that's unfamiliar to us, but I feel like maybe tonight it might become more personal to some of you in a way that it hasn't been before. And that, that's my prayer. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of yes. God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh That's and blood, right. but right. against principalities, right. against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, right. against spiritual wickedness yeah. in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. All right. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray that you'll anoint this word, Lord God, and help me to say what I feel like you only need me to say. Help somebody to be blessed, to change, help somebody to be encouraged, I pray. Jesus, let your word go forth. That is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago, a popular catchphrase took hold here in the United States. And it spread, it seemed like overnight, like wildfire, which of course, that's how things happen now with with social media and, and it doesn't take long for something to just catch on. And that very popular phrase that seemed to come out of nowhere and then just explode was this phrase, keep calm and carry on. And within days, weeks maybe, you began to see all kinds of little variations of this phrase pop up, you know, keep calm and watch Downton or, you know, keep calm and free Carson or, you know, keep calm and pivot. That's one of my favorite ones from Friends. But it kind of just spun off into anything that you wanted it to be. Um, but it came, it all stemmed from this original, keep calm and carry on. Now, for those of you who do not know the history of that phrase, it stems back to early World War II in England, which this was an island unprotected um, from what was happening on, what was going on in the world and the, in the invasion of 
Hitler. Um, and so these people had no hope in their little island. This once great superpower of a kingdom was now helpless. And there were um, threats of bombs and bomb scares and raids and war was raging all around Europe. There was not a country that seemed to be safe from the grip of what was happening. And because the government of Britain at that time did not really have a way to give their people a true sense of peace and safety and a true sense of you know, you can go about your daily business and we're going to protect you. They began to create this, this propaganda, war propaganda. And one of the, these phrases, one of these sayings came out in the form of a poster, keep calm and carry on. And it was displayed in prominent places. People had to go about their normal day-to-day -day business. They had to go to work, they had to eat, they had to go to school, but there wasn't any security in knowing if they were going to be safe that day or where the next air raid was going to come from. So there's a few things that they had that were meant to give them this sense of security. One was the, the issuances of these hopes from the British government in, in the way of these posters and propaganda. And another was, um, and you may be familiar with this, but they had blackout curtains that they would put up on their windows um, to hide the light so that the enemy could not see the light and could not bomb their area. Um, they had gas masks that they often carried with them day to day. But they had no true sense of hope. They had no true sense of security. And this was the only way that the government felt that they could kind of boost the morale of the people. Pardon me. Worshiping does that to you. Um, so this is, this is what they would do. And this is where this phrase came from in th this effort to keep Europe calm from the enemy, from the threat and the advances and the invasion and the bombs, and just knowing that at any point they could be taken over and everything about their very existence would change. And over time, that phrase has lost its power of morale and it has popped up now in pop culture as something cute and fun and something that you put on a t-shirt or a magnet and everybody enjoys it. But it has a serious connotation. And I don't know if you feel this way every day. Or I don't know if you even are aware of this every day. But we as a people, we are an island surrounded north, south, east, and west by an enemy who is waiting and prowling. And the planes are flying overhead and they're looking for that light. Because when they see that light, when the enemy sees that light, he's coming in. We are a people. We are an island. And there is evil every day that we wake up, every day that we live and breathe and have our being. There is an enemy looking to find us. Looking to find us. But this is what I think is just so exciting among many things. But they, Britain didn't have a government, a strong government. But who is our government? His name shall be called Jesus, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And when he issued this plan for us in Ephesians, his word, it was not simply just to boost our morale and to give us a false sense of hope. He does give us hope in the scripture, but he gives us a plan. And the thing is, is that we have to follow every single aspect of this plan to be safe from the enemy. 
The promise is there, but we've got to follow the plan that he gave us. We, we don't have a choice. And I don't know about you, but when the enemy comes calling and knocking out my door, I'm a fighter. I, I don't go down without a fight. And I don't want to be somebody that has to climb into a, a, a basement to hide out. I don't want to have to put up my spiritual, you know, black curtains and, and on, shield the enemy out. Oh, I don't want to have right. to run, run into a shelter preach and it. sit there and quake and shiver with a gas that's mask right. just waiting for everything around me to just explode yes. and wondering if I'm going to live or die. Yes. I want to get out there in the yes. battle. I want to do something. Maybe, maybe Amen. we can help somebody else who's out there without that's everything right. that they need. If we've got everything we need, yeah. maybe if we just get on out there, we can help somebody else. Right. But the point is, we don't have to hide. He Come gave on, us a promise. Right. So what does he say? We have to put on the helmet of salvation. Yeah. All right, so what does a helmet do? It protects our head. What does the head protect? Our mind. What is salvation? What is the helmet of salvation? Well, yes, of course we know. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized. You've got to receive the Holy Ghost. That's the plain and simple truth of it. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to salvation That's but right. this plan. There is no other doctrine. There is no shortcut. There is no other way. This is it. But your salvation and my salvation does not begin and end with the day that we spoke in tongues. Why would the Bible tell us that we need to put on the helmet of salvation before we go into battle if the only thing that mattered was the one time that we felt that we got saved? Salvation is a daily thing. It is a daily thing. He starts it. He fills us with the Holy Ghost. And he's the one that's going to end it when we cross over into the promised land. And he brings us home. But everything in between is our salvation. And we have to wear that salvation every day. The Bible says each man must work out his salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that you'll get the Holy Ghost and one day you're going to heaven. You've got a helmet that you've got to put on every day. What is our salvation? The Lord has become my salvation. Jesus is our salvation. I came here tonight to tell you that every day you've got to put Jesus on your head. You've got to get a mind of Christ. You've got to think like he thinks. You've got to move like he moves. You've got to have a mind of Christ on you. This is your helmet of salvation. Yes, you've been saved. Yes, one day you will cross over. But you have got to walk a long way to get there. And every day is going to be a struggle unless you begin to put on the mind of Christ that helps you to see things in a different way, in a changed way. You no longer think the way the world thinks when you're wearing Jesus on your head. You no longer see things the way the world sees things when you're wearing Jesus on your head. I don't know about you, but I want to go out into a battlefield with Jesus at the top all the way down. And I'm telling you that I am comforted to know that if I am willing to put on the helmet of salvation, he has become my salvation. Jesus is my salvation. Hallelujah. And when you begin to think like that and feel like that, I promise you, there is no room to wake up in the morning and think, boy, I wish I had this, or I wish I had that, or I wish I was going here, or I wish I was going there, or this person seems to be doing this, and that person seems to be doing it. When you start to think like Jesus thinks, 
and you put this mind of Christ on you, you wake up in the morning and you say, I thank you, Jesus, that I woke from my bed today. I have a sound mind and a body, and I am so thankful that you saved me because I know what I was. I know what I am, but I also know what you can make me to be. I know where I came from, I know where I stand, and I know where I'm going. And when you think that way and see things that way, it begins to matter less and less and less what the world around you is doing. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Funny, cute little story. We were camping last week. And my son, who is a notorious bug-out guy, um, loves to pick up his gadgets and gizmos for, you know, uh, uh, safety and uh, survival, you know. So he picked up this blanket, this emergency blanket in Walmart, called the Emergency Blanket 2.0. And you have to understand, if you're about somewhere around my age, late 30s or older, or maybe even a little bit younger, you did not, as I did not, you did not grow up in a 2.0 generation or a 5G generation, or a 6G generation. And that's just not something that was part of your childhood. So he's all excited about this blanket, and he's telling us all the features about it. And we just think it's cute, and it was, it was a good investment. And we go camping, and the first night we were there, the dog is all over the tent, pulling out Gwen's sleeping bag. Gwen's coughing her brains out. And Theoden is in his little room just sleeping so soundly, and Stephen said it must be his emergency 2.0 blanket. And uh, as the week went on, this 2.0 jo joke became a thing with us. And, you know, we had a few moments where we were like, boy, we sure wish we had a Rosie 2.0. And for those of you that know Rose, you can understand that. But the point is, we take this lightly because these are not the things that matter. Amen. Putting a number or a scale or the, the latest and greatest on whatever it is that's out there we take that lightly because for us, it, that has no significance. It doesn't matter. But when I think about my salvation, and when I think about how I want to wear the helmet of salvation, and I want Jesus on me, I'm thinking to myself, give me the latest and greatest 2.0 of the Holy Ghost. Give me the 5G of the anointing. That's what I want. Those are numbers I can talk about. Those are things I can appreciate. So we've got to have this helmet of salvation. And then... We need the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what does that cover? The breastplate covers our chest. What does our chest cover? Our heart. The enemy is looking for any hole in your armor that you are willing to bear. So it's not going to matter a whole lot if you've got your helmet on and your shoes on and your heart's exposed and vice versa. It's not going to matter a whole lot to the enemy if you've got your breastplate on but you're not wearing Christ and you don't have your shoes and your sword and, and all that. He's looking for any break in your armor, and that is where he will get you. You can know you're saved. You can know you have the Holy Ghost. If you're not guarding your heart, he's going to get in there and wreak havoc on your soul. So how do we put on this breastplate of righteousness? The Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We don't want to go out into battle wearing rags. That's not going to protect us. How do we put on righteousness? What is righteous? Who is righteous? Again, Jesus. What is this telling us? We need to wear Jesus. We need to wear him all over. We need to have him covering us. We need this breastplate of righteousness. We need to do the right thing. We need to say the right thing. What is being righteous? Do the right thing. If you can't, in the moment, think of what that is, and that happens to me sometimes, and I think, 
immediately my, you know, I know my heart's not guarded and I think, start to feel things that I might shouldn't feel. I try to stop myself and say, very simple, this is not just for children. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And usually when that happens, I can call to mind some place in the gospel where Jesus was faced with a situation that I've been faced with. And what has he done? Do you know? You can be wounded in the house of your friends. What would Jesus do? You can be ostracized and isolated. You can fall. What would Jesus do? This is, this is putting on righteousness. You've got to have your breastplate of righteousness on. And then tells us we need to gird ourselves with truth. And this is, this is not an easy piece of armor to wear. It's not an easy covering to wear sometimes because the truth, it's not always popular. It's just not always the thing that people want to hear. You know, I mean, it might be okay for you to say somebody to somebody, you know, today I just want to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Today I just want to, my heart's desire is to do the right thing. But sometimes when you start telling people the truth, it's not really good for them or you sometimes. And, but that doesn't make it any less of the truth. And this sometimes, I mean, we might feel our armor getting heavy from time to time. Sometimes our helmet does get heavy. Sometimes our salvation gets heavy. But we are reminded in the Psalms when David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore a right spirit unto me. And he goes on, and the verse ends with, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Your armor will get heavy. You will get weary. You may lose some of that joy. But there is an answer for that. But with truth, this is a little bit harder to wear sometimes. And I'm recalling to mind a time that we needed to sign a document. My husband and I put our names on a document stating um, a doctrinal belief that allowed for an enrollment and, uh, of a nature. And I said to my husband, we've got a problem. This is not the plan of salvation. It is a lie. And we cannot sign our name to a lie. So he said, okay, well, go ahead, do whatever you do. I said, I'm going to write an addendum. So he said, okay. Because we had to go in together for this meeting. So I didn't want him to be blindsided. So I wrote an addendum with a full plan of salvation, scriptures, all that. I signed that. And on the signature blank on the original document, I put, I put C addendum. I wouldn't sign it. And I thought that that would be the end of it. I thought, well, I've covered myself in truth. I've covered myself quietly on a piece of paper, not in anybody's face, and they'll file it away and respect my beliefs. And that is not what happened. We went into the meeting, and everything was going very well, and the administrator said to us, now I see that you've attached something to our paperwork. And I said, yes, we have. And she said, are you, and and she read it off, and she said, so, and how like the enemy this is. So are you telling me I'm not saved? And my husband's head just went, whoop. <laughs> and I thought, yup, okay. <laughs> I started it, I gotta finish it. <laughs> so I very calmly said to her, I can't speak to your understanding or belief of salvation. But as for my husband and I and our children, this is what we believe we need to do to be saved. And I thought, and I was very nice about it, so I thought she would back down. But the devil does not back down. He does not back down. He's looking to pierce that armor. Now, had I been full in my stomach of fellowshipping with this administrator and wanting to be her friend, I might have felt the urge to, like, loosen that girding a little bit. 
and let that truth go just a little bit. You know, after a big meal, first thing you want to do is unbutton your, you know, trousers or your skirt or let something loose a little bit. I felt myself getting pretty tight. <laughs> I was pretty stressed <laughs> because I thought she's not going to let this go. So I said to her, so this is what I said to her. And she turned to me and she said, so you are telling me I'm not saved. And I thought, oh, dear God in heaven, is she going to shoot What is she doing to me now? So, and, I, and again, I said, again, I said, this here today is not about your understanding of salvation. This is about our integrity. And you're asking us to sign something that we do not believe in. You're asking us to sign and put our name to something that we don't believe is truth. And even if that's just truth to us, that's our truth. And I, I've provided you with our truth, and this is what I have signed. And she turned to me and she said, well, I know I'm saved. Okay. And I let it go. I told the truth. I didn't have to get ugly or mean or nasty. I was surely uncomfortable, but I wasn't rude. She was more uncomfortable and upset. And that, that lie, the devil is a liar. And everything thing he says is a lie and that's what was coming out of her but you know what she may never come to salvation she may never believe what we believe but she heard it that day she heard it she saw it and she heard it and that is putting on truth you're going to be around people that you're going to want to yoke yourself with and there are certain instructions in the bible about yoking <laughs> be not unequally yoked it's it's hard not to do that because you don't want to make an enemy you want to be friends and we're in a culture of christianity this is a, a country and a culture of christianity with one truth with one truth and everyone around us is doing a little something different here and a little something different there we have the truth and it's easy to sit down and fellowship and break bread with someone and let them do their spiel but we don't want to say what our truth is we don't want to say what the truth is so that that piece of armor is a little bit uncomfortable to wear sometimes not every day but sometimes but we've got to put that on there are so many things in this scripture in this in this passion passage that we've read but we have to have on the whole armor of god what about what about our feet i don't want to be a soldier that goes out into battle covered head to knee with everything I need without my shoes, without my feet covered. I'm not going to get very far. We're not going to get very far if we don't cover our feet. And what does the scripture say about our feet? We need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, meaning glad tidings. Glad tidings of who? Jesus. The gospel of Jesus. We cannot go out into enemy lines fully covered and not be wear, not be wearing on our feet the gospel. If we don't, if we are ashamed of the gospel that saves, the devil will cripple us right there. He might not be able to get here, 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 but he will cripple us right in our feet. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of what Jesus has done in my life. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. But if you are someone who is ashamed, you will be immobilized by the enemy. You can stand there in half of your armor and be impenetrable in half of your armor. But what good is it going to do anybody out in the battle if you can't get out there and fight with them? You've got to be ready to share the gospel. 
And I want to tell you something about the price of my shoes. The price of my gospel shoes. Oh. Yes, my son came home from the public school where we had to put him because we couldn't afford a Christian school anymore. And I was so worried about him. And I was, I had asked my mom to pray. And I was just, I didn't have peace in my heart at first about all this. But he came home four years later. He's been in a public school and he's been doing great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't say that to brag on him. But God has gone with that boy because of oh, his yeah. mother's burdened heart. But he came home from school and he said, guess what we learned uh, today? Are studying ancient, ancient Rome and and all of that, the ancient civilizations. And he said, we learned today that it wasn't safe to follow Jesus. That, it, that, that people that loved Jesus and wanted to be around Jesus, they were thrown to the lions. They were persecuted. They were martyred. They were slain. You couldn't be found around Jesus. Even the world and all of its lies cannot remove that from a public school textbook. And the reason why is because it is history and it happened. Jesus happened to this world. This gospel came at a price so expensive and so unworthy are we to put on these shoes for the blood of the saints that went before us that the devil would like to hide. He would like to tell people it doesn't matter what Jesus did. Double-edged 
sword. We need to have the sword of the spirit. We can go out into battle and protect ourselves and wear everything that we need to wear so we're not pierced here, pierced here, or crippled here. But what about the damage that we can do to the enemy? We've got to have something that's going to do some damage. My shield is not going to damage the enemy. My helmet is not going to damage the enemy. My feet are not going to damage the enemy. But my sword, my sword, this one is going to damage the enemy. We've got to have something that's going to bring a kill. I want a spiritual kill. I want to take down. I want to take down these, these high places. These are rulers in high places. You cannot see what surrounds you. You cannot. Sometimes you can feel it. You cannot see it. But it is there. You need to protect yourself, but let yourself do some damage. Let yourself do some damage. What about the shield of faith? This is what I like about the shield of faith. Versus, I, I love symbolism. This is what comes of studying English. And the Bible, he's the author of everything. You want analogy, symbolism, metaphor, poetry. It's all in here. Best writer ever. So I love the symbolism here. But the scripture very clearly says, but above all, taking the shield of faith. Taking the shield of faith. We get to put on a helmet. We get to put on a breastplate. We get to put on shoes. But faith, my friend, is something we've got to reach out and take. We've got to hold on to it. We've got to grip it. What does a shield do in battle? A shield protects you. But how? A shield goes before you. A shield is extended before you. You've got to reach out and take the shield of faith. You've got to have a grip on that shield of faith and put that forward into battle. If you don't have that shield, you are that much more susceptible to anything that's going to come your way. Take the shield of faith. Pick it up. Grab it. Hold it. Don't let go. Faith can be dislodged from you. Your helmet might be a very good fit. Thank you very much, Acts 2.38. You might be very sure of your helmet, and that might, might be fitting you quite snug and quite well. Your breastplate of righteousness might be, you know, a, a, a good little fit for you, and it, it's going to do you. It's going to do you okay. But they're not so easily dislodged from you. They're not so easily taken from you. It's kind of hard for somebody in battle to rip your shoes off. But faith, the shield of faith, it can be dropped. It can be dislodged. It can be knocked out of your hand. Take the shield of faith. Faith goes before you into battle. You need to have that. You need to have it all. Every piece of armor is specifically designed to help you in some way to protect your mind, to protect your heart, to help you to spread the gospel, to help you to know the truth. The truth shall make you free to preach the truth, to be the truth. These are all things designed for a very specific purpose. Have you ever seen pictures of the Civil War, Civil War uh, fighter soldiers in wintertime in Pennsylvania without shoes? Breaks, it breaks my heart every time to see these men fighting for everything with their lives, for everyone they love, for everything they know and they can't even be afforded the issuance of a government shoe to protect their feet from frostbite. Your feet 
are tender. You need your shoes. Don't take your gospel boots and put them in a corner. Wear them. You've got to wear your armor every day, every bit of your armor. But here is where the promise becomes real. Once we have done everything that he asked us to do, once we have put on every piece of armor that he's asked us to put on, once we have followed his battle plan, very simply put, he says, when having done all, stand. And I don't know about you, but what I just heard in this scripture was, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on, soldier. You have followed my instructions, and now I am telling you to stand. Stand, stand, stand. Keep calm and carry on. You can do it. I don't know where everyone is in their spiritual walk. I, I don't need to know that's, that's between you and God. I don't, I don't know that I feel that everybody is 100% shielded every day. And some of you may need to start at the very beginning, Acts 2.38, and get your salvation. Go, go to the armory and get your helmet. You, if you need the Holy Ghost, God's time is all the time. God's time is not a certain time of day or a certain service. God's time is all the time. He is ever present. There's no time like the present to get saved. There's no time like the present to get the Holy Ghost. Pick up that helmet of salvation. Put it on. Begin to wear it. If you're someone who feels like your salvation is getting a little heavy and it's a burden that you're bearing, ask God to restore the joy. He will. Ask him to restore the joy of your salvation. He'll do it. If you're someone who feels like you're not right in your heart, you're not doing right, you're not being right, you're not living right, ask God to help you. What would Jesus do? This was a phrase that came about for Sunday school kids. It works. It works. What would Jesus do? Put that on. Put Jesus on. I encourage you to put Jesus on. If you are not strong in your truth, then this altar is for you. If you are someone who is afraid to tell the truth when you need to tell the truth, he'll give you boldness. He will. I, I, I'm not... Um, I'm not an incredibly bold person about some things. And I was not feeling incredibly bold that day in that principal's office. I can assure you of that. He gave me the words to say. He knew my heart did not want to sign a lie and did not want to be attached to a lie. And he gave me the courage. Ask him. He'll give it to you. If you don't understand what this gospel is to you and to everyone around you, ask him to help you put on those shoes if you need faith. Ask for faith. One missing piece of armor can cost you your salvation. One missing piece of armor can cost you everything. But he promises us, if you have it all, if you do everything that I asked you to do, if you put it all on, stand, therefore stand. I'm not a Christian that wants to hide from the enemy. I want to be prepared. I want to go out. I want to do what I need to do for Jesus. It's a full body experience. It's mind, it's heart, it's everything. 
It's all of your being. It's not just about how you feel that day and if you feel good. It's about doing for Jesus also. It's a whole thing. And the wonderful thing about this armor is it's one size fits all. Because Jesus doesn't change. His word doesn't change. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care who you are. He was a man that loved Zacchaeus and pulled him from a tree. He was a man that forgave the woman in adultery. It's a one size fits all armor. Anybody can have it. Anybody can wear it. And so I'm just encouraging you today to get renewed in your salvation and, and to be able to put on your armor of God. And if the musicians would come, I, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh.